0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: We're back for
2: another Champions League match day edition with Real Madrid stunned in the Spanish capital, Liverpool sneaking home, and Bayern big winners. Again. Hello once again. This is the Match Day Gagan Pod. I'm Richard Bayless. Nice to have your company after two days of Champions League action. Match day one is done. Joining me on the pod, Michael Bridges. Hello. Hello. Good to be here again. Indeed. Dave Weiner, how you doing? Morning. Great
1: morning. Dramatic
2: morning. Lots to talk about. As always. And uh, joining us on the phone as well, uh, he was involved from our Brisbane studio on the coverage this morning, John Aloisi. How are you doing, John?
3: Yeah, very well. It was another great morning. Had a lot of highlights to go through.
2: Indeed, it started uh, pretty interestingly with the early, early kickoffs, which we'll get to from Group A and B. But let's start with what was our feature game from the Johan Cruyff Arena, Ajax 0, Liverpool 1. We know they've got defensive worries, but they had no issues this morning. Michael, a clean sheet and three points for the Reds. Happy days. Very happy days, and I think that was summed up
4: perfectly by my old colleague, James Milner. Started the game in that midfield, and his semesters was, we weren't great we kept a clean sheet and we won the game. He said it was like an old English-style win or victory. They just grounded out. Ajax were, I thought, were awesome the way they set up. Uh, and Liverpool
1: clean sheet, they handled it. What is a semesters? Semester? I
4: don't know. I was going to say just a uh, whatever you call it when you round things. A good conclusion. It's, there you I'm go. I'm just
1: putting that in my uh, notebook here to add that. I want to s- add that to my vocabulary. That's a
4: new one. Actually, my mate um, Chris Nedden says they're, they're called bridgeisms. So I just
2: make up words. There you go. There's one for the day. Uh, summary would have done. Uh, that's the one I was s- looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I think you also had synopsis yeah. somewhere in the back of your mind. But that's okay. Simmeroptis. That's why you're on the pod, Michael. We love that type of insight. Uh, John, you'd suspect that Jurgen Klopp would be pretty happy. It's been a funny old few days, hasn't it? Because the attention has all been on what happened at Goodison Park. You sort of got the feeling that these guys need to focus on Ajax for a moment, but they did and they got the result. What did you make of it on on the whole?
3: Yeah, I thought it was a difficult game for Liverpool. I thought uh, they were uh, I wouldn't say lucky to get the result. I think they did grind it out in the end. Um, Ajax started the game well. I thought they were finding the solutions with the ball in playing through Liverpool's press, which Liverpool normally, their press is is unbelievable and then a lot of teams can't play through it. But uh, they were struggling in the midfield, especially in that first half. Uh, Second half, he brought uh, Henderson on. He he took uh, Curtis Jones off and that made a difference. It was a bit of a scrappy second half. But in the end, you know, Liverpool did enough to get all three points and Sometimes, when you're not playing at your best, you just need to be able to get those three points, uh, no matter how.
4: John, I think you've absolutely nailed it there, the way Liverpool were getting played through in the pressing. And can you remember the scenes with Klopp on the sideline? That is the most animated I have ever seen him when he was giving it to Van Alden.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I understand. I think that um, he was showing a little bit of... Uh, sometimes when you things aren't going your way, that, that, that nervous energy comes across. And, and he was probably, he picked it out before the game what he wanted and they weren't following his instructions. So he was giving it to them because, uh, again, uh, they, uh, they probably weren't communicating enough on the pitch. Van Dyke is a massive loss for him uh, because he does coach a lot out there. I remember last, uh, wasn't last season, season before when I went to go watch Liverpool against Barcelona, the amount of communicating and coaching that Van Dyke does from the back is incredible. And uh, so midfielders find it easy because they, they, sometimes they see what's happening behind them, but he can coach that. And uh, they probably weren't getting it uh, in the first half, especially from the two centre-backs. And uh, and that's probably why Klopp was getting so angry. But, They got what they needed in the second half and they got the three points.
1: It's actually amazing that uh, uh, Gomez and Fabinho is the 35th combination that Klopp has used at centre-back. And Mateep and Gomez still haven't started together in a game. Isn't that that remarkable? Yeah. So that's the challenge he's got coming up. And and John, I just want to know in terms of the approach and the coaching that Klopp has to do now because uh, I think their coordinator press probably wasn't at its best to start the season. Hence, you know, what the back line was exposed for with the 7-2 to Aston Villa. How about the challenge now to get the team to adapt without Van Dyke coaching from the back? And we saw today, you take out Henderson, you move Fabinho to centre-back. All of a sudden, achieving this year or maintaining those standards for Klopp is actually going to be a pretty remarkable effort, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think this is the biggest test that he's had since he's been at Liverpool because uh, the injuries that he's got now, and it's some major players, Thiago didn't play this morning, of course, and he'll be... A major factor in that midfield, and you've got Allison that's still out, Van Dyke, and then Matip at the back. But um, I, I think that's uh, the, the, you know that, that's virtually your spine. And you take a spine out of any team, and you're going to struggle. They will need time. Uh, they haven't got a lot of time because games come thick and fast, not only in the Premier League but in the Champions League. But they need time, the, 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 especially the players at the back to get used to each other because. Most of the time, coaches don't like to change the center backs. They want to get a pairing right. And once they do get that pairing, they normally play. But uh, this is going to be uh, hard for Klopp, hard for Liverpool. And it's going to be interesting to see how they cope with it throughout the season.
2: One of the good things about... Well, it's the only good thing about there being no crowd at the moment. I love the fact that you could almost hear word for word... What Jurgen Klopp was saying to Gigi Wijnaldum as well, saying, there's no press, there's no press. Fascinating insight. But otherwise, pretty sad, John. The last time I was at Amsterdam Arena was with you, and I'll never forget turning to you at full time after Lucas Moura scored his third, and the famous John Aloisi, oh, shit, that's mental. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a long way from those scenes in terms of the atmosphere. Hopefully we get back to it soon.
5: <laughs> what-
3: yeah, it well- I remember that that, that night, Rich. It was, uh, I didn't think the night before could be top for the Liverpool game against uh, Barcelona and the atmosphere at the stadium. But the atmosphere that night, and you remember it well, is that uh, the Ajax the supporters were so good the whole game. They were so excited and up for it. And, and then as soon as that goal went in from Moura, it was like that there was, uh, a pin could drop. It was, it was like someone... Died, um, and then that, that's probably what it felt like tonight at the game because there was no noise at all in the stadium. But um, let's hope the crowds are able to come back soon because it, it does take away the atmosphere, and uh, and and it'll be tough on the players as well not to feel that atmosphere.
4: There was also great scenes in the studio because I also went,
2: oh shit, get in. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great video. Well, yeah, yeah I mean. This, this morning, the match between Ajax and Liverpool, we were 30, 20, 30 seconds away from that being the final in Madrid a couple of years ago. What a shame for Ajax fans. I mean, we witnessed it firsthand. They've got a, a good team now, a good system under Ten Hag, but they'll be a long way from the final, you suspect, based on um, a tough group. We'll look at the other game in it. The result, not great for Awa Mobile, Socorroo Dave, who went down 4-0 his Michiland side on debut in the Champions League
1: at home to an Atalanta that cannot not score, really. Yeah, look, it was a, it's this, The mobiles in the Champions League the stuff of fairy tales. I mean, let's get that out of the way. It's a fabulous story, uh, and, and it is a baptism of fire for him. Uh, but the Socceroos will be better off for it because he's testing himself, and he's the one Australian testing himself against guys teams like Liverpool, Ajax, and Atalanta. So. Congratulations to him, and we hope that they build into the season. But Atalanta, wow. I mean, they've just picked up where they left off last season. 19 goals in five games, gents. They play absolutely fabulous football. And that was where the test came for Atalanta, John, sorry, Mitchell and John, because Atalanta came out of the blocks and pressed them and was so high up the field and was so energetic, they didn't give them a sniff. And then a couple of great team goals and a couple of great individual goals too. Um, Can they kick on? Can they get even better? You know, last year was a fairy tale. Are the expectations higher this year?
3: I think that uh, everyone expects them to be in the top four, that's for sure. Can they really challenge for the title? I think this season maybe, because Inter Milan haven't started the season that well. Juventus under Pilo is still a bit of an unknown. Um, so Atalanta could push. They did lose their last game in the Serie A finale 4 1. So they won their first three games. And then this morning, again, they showed what firepower they got. Sabata, Gomez, Muriel, they can score goals. And and Ilicic, he, he wasn't on the score sheet. So, you know, with the way that Gasparini likes his teams to play, I I think that they can actually get even better.
2: So Nostraldamas, Michael Bridges, 24 hours ago, predicted that uh, PSG would go crashing out after one game. What do you think <laughs> about Liverpool and Atalanta's group? I'm just looking into my crystal ball now and my nostril domus says
4: that it will be Liverpool and Atlanta. The guys that got three points will go through. Ajax a European spot, I do believe, for the Europa League.
2: Wow, that's that's tough. I mean, you've looked at the table and gone, yep, top two.
4: I just love the way they played.
2: Love the way they played, Atlanta. Dave
4: has just said they are absolutely phenomenal going forward. I think they will cause Ajax a lot
1: of damage. And, um, yeah, I can't see anything. How good will those games be, though, Um, against Ajax and against Liverpool while you <laughs> recover from those predictions? Um, <laughs> <On> the- <laughs> All right, Liverpool won't qualify. There you go. They'll finish third. Oh, there you go. At least it's
2: something, something of a different. Uh, Liverpool <laughs> and Atalanta will be really interesting yeah. to your point, Dave. Can't wait for that. Elsewhere, we saw some drama with, uh, well, this is pretty much par for the course, isn't it? At some point during the Champions League, ironically, given they are the most Successful club in the history of the competition, John, Real Madrid inevitably have downsides. They have negatives. They have these moments where it all goes haywire. And it did tonight at home to Shakhtar Donetsk. They lost 3-2. They were 3-0 down inside the first half. What went wrong for Real Madrid?
3: They didn't turn up in the first half. And uh, and that's because Sergio Ramos wasn't out on the pitch. They, they actually had a bad loss uh, in, on the weekend against Kazis uh, at, uh, at home. They, they lost uh, 1-0. And then they uh, go and lose to Saka Donetsk 3-2. The second half, they actually uh, picked up. Modric gets on the score sheet. Then they start pushing Vinicius after 10 seconds, comes on and and scores. And you thought that they were going to get a point at least out of the game when they had a goal disallowed right at the end. But there's already pressure on Zidane. As you expect at Real Madrid, one loss, let alone two in one week, is going to put them under pressure. And what a way to cope with it. You've got Barcelona, a Clasico on the weekend. So it could be three losses on the top for Zidane. And who knows what will happen at Real Madrid. Johnny,
4: question for you. Ramos was out, a massive part of getting getting the defeat against him. But they're not playing their home games at the Bernabeu. They're not playing in front of fans. Surely this is having a massive effect. Would, would, would Real's faithful have allowed them to lose these games? Or would they have helped them get through them? Or could it have been a detrimental effect not playing in front of them?
3: Oh, a difficult question, Bridget, because you expect them to that's still have I'm the here. quality. <laughs> you expect them to still have the quality to, to actually uh, beat these teams. And that's no disrespect to Shakhtadonis or even Kazis, who were in the second division last year. So they're no world beaters. Uh, but with, with the fans, yes, they will give them a little bit of help. But don't forget, the Real Madrid fans uh, uh, <laughs> they get on your back pretty quick. But if that's what I mean, one- John.
4: The 3 0 down today, they managed to get back to 3 2, could have been 3 3. Could that have got become a worse? Um, result if the fans had been there?
3: Oh yeah, maybe it would have become a worse result. Look, that's the worst first half performance and result that they've had in Europe uh, in their uh, history and uh, and that's saying something for the Real Madrid uh, players and uh, for Zidane. So whether the fans would have got on their back, yes they would have. Whether they would have been able to cope with that, I'm not sure. But the players, they, they know what to, it, to expect when you're a Real Madrid player, you play all that pressure. And uh, and it's only going to build and <laughs> probably lucky that the fans aren't going to be there this weekend.
1: It's uh, I'd just like to have a look at the Spanish press go absolutely berserk after these Barcelona-Real Madrid crises. And I'm looking at Marco and AS. And the one that jumps out for me is uh, the opinion piece in uh, Marco saying, we already saw this film with Loppa Lop- de Gui. We know how badly that ended, and he is no Zinedine Zidane, but they're absolutely tearing shreds into it. And the biggest part of it is about the attitude and the fact that after a dismal weekend in La Liga, losing to a side they should never lose to, they actually fronted up with the same attitude, even though there were changes to personnel here. I'm still gobsmacked. Maybe it was because it was so early in the morning, but I couldn't believe what I was watching.
2: Well, on face value, you could look at Shakhtar Donetsk and go, well, they made a Europa League semi-final. You know, they're a good side. But they had 10 players out. They were the one that was yeah. weakened
1: out of the two. Eight players under 23 years of age, three Champions League debutants. It just it just can't happen.
2: Mad. Elsewhere in that group, Inter Milan and Mönchengladbach. This was an entertaining game. Once again, Romello Lukaku. He got both for the hosts. Mönchengladbach uh, looked like they'd got the points, but Lukaku popped up with the second uh, equaliser, if you like, for Inter right at the death. So that group will be really interesting. And it almost was looking as though the two sides that were most favoured were staring down the barrel of defeats Mm. on the opening day. So that one could be seriously open. Can't wait. We've got five match days to go, unless you're Michael Bridges, who's already calling every single group. Uh, John, we (laughs) should let you crack on. Uh, Mate, looking forward to your company on Countdown to kick off on Saturday night. Uh, It should be a fascinating weekend. Enjoy it, mate. We'll speak soon.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, can't wait for Saturday night. City, West Ham, uh, another big one. Another test for City.
2: Indeed. Thank you, John. We'll catch up with you soon. We'll hear from Mark Schwarzer shortly, actually, who was at the Etihad to see what Manchester City were all about. But let's chat, first of all, before he gets here, actually, because I don't want to be on the phone when he's talking about Bayern Munich. He's obsessed <laughs> with his <laughs> German heritage. They were good. They weren't. They Dave? 4-0 winners over an Atletico side that very rarely ship in
1: four. But this is a special team, Bayern yeah. Munich. Yeah, I mentioned yesterday, I mean, I know the La Liga is not the Champions League, but it's been 20 games unbeaten for Diego Simeone in the league. They don't lose 4-0. Um, and it was interesting, this game, like this season, Bayern started steadily. They, the first 20 minutes that weren't spectacular, I actually was looking at the game going, this isn't going to be a classic. It's pretty actually slow tempo. And then bang. I mean, they just score when they want. And the thing about this game was...
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: No Sane, who still hasn't really integrated into the side. No Serge Gnabry, COVID-19. Game was nearly off, eh? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a real scare through the team sort of 10 hours before kickoff, off um, but Kingsley Coman, this talent, he, he is someone I love watching, and I think he can kick on this year as well, and he he scored two spectacular goals, was involved in a third, Lewandowski didn't even score, they are frightening, um, yeah, you've said yesterday, John said today, they can get better, they're the favourites.
4: I think what they've shown, Thiago's left, he's gone to Liverpool, Kimmich came in there into that midfield position, bossed it.
1: And Goretzka alongside and Goretzka, him, they've got options.
4: So he's, you've got the... You've got the Touch and the passing ability of Kimmich, you've got the legs and the energy of Goretzka who will get forward and get your goals, he gets back. Yeah, I love watching him in the Confeds Cup as well. This team, dynamic and they've gone and done it against a team that defensively under Simo- Simeone are magnificent.
2: Well, I think it's pretty clear that they're favourites because almost every other big club, if you like, or the elite in this competition, have something wrong with them. Whether that's a player absent, or question marks, or mm. defensive issues, this is the only team, even with a few players out, that looks seriously hard to stop. Elsewhere in that group, Group A, Salzburg and Lokomotiv Moscow two all this morning. But for Group C, as I said before, Mark Schwartz was at the Etihad for us. He's now on the road, uh, going back to London. Did you enjoy yourself this morning, Schwartzy? When we spoke to you on the podcast yesterday, you hadn't seen any goals. You're a bit sad after Stanford Bridge. What about today?
5: Well, I wouldn't say I was sad after Stanford Bridge. I was happy they kept a the clean sheet finally. Um, Too to few and far between for Chelsea. Uh, but tonight, no, no, definitely a lot more entertaining, a lot more goals, obviously. Um, first half was, was uh, probably, I think Porto probably picked the first half slightly better. Uh, they finished the half stronger, probably should have gone in more or, or could, have, could have gone in 2 1 ahead, but, but wasn't to be second half it was all, all 50, um and City deservedly won the game and I think in the end Porto were also very very lucky to have uh, 11 players on the pitch.
2: Sorry I cl- uh, should have clarified you were sad after Stanford Bridge because you found out Petr Cech was in the Chelsea squad not you.
5: <laughs> well no I wasn't sad because Petr Cech, you know what the funny <laughs> thing is right um, I spoke to Petr Cech a while ago and I, I, I he was telling me about training and I, I was obviously to out all the inside gossip about how it all went and he was he was talking about how well training actually went for him and how well he was feeling, and he and he he indicated that that he would be ready to play if needed. So it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me one bit that he was included in the squad. And uh, um, you know, apparently it worked out really well initially. It was a good thing for him to go and train uh, for Cafe to see and talk to him and you know see that the different drills they do. And in the end, from my understanding, was that it, it got a little bit um, awkward because Pedro was actually outperforming Kepper at training.
4: Oh, it's so, unbelievable. Hang on, hang on. Wow. He's, doing a, he's, the, he's the goalkeeping coach. He's doing his report into the football club to the staff and he's going, you know, Mendy, Okay, Kepa, crap. Check, fantastic. And he gets himself in the bloody squad. I find that unbelievable. That's
2: incredible. It's funny, Schwartzy, uh, I suspect that the visiting keeper wasn't necessarily um, feeling great after his efforts for Porto um, away this morning, Manchester City. But I'd like to know, you guys on the podcast, if you had to pick a team, you had to pick either Pepe or Sergio Ramos to be your talisman in defence, who would you rather have on the field? Because Pepe again this morning in this game... A lot of people out there probably ha- should have a sweepstake. What minute he'll get sent off. I can't believe he didn't get sent off. He gave a penalty away at some point. He's always in the action. I love watching him. Dave, who would you rather have?
1: Sergio Ramos is smarter at the dark arts. He can yeah. get away with it. Pepe is just... Uh, Pepe Le Pew. He's just all over the field. You, you just can't miss him. they I can't believe they played together. I mean, what a disaster!
5: <laughs> I
4: agree with Dave. Ramos is this silent assassin. He gets away with it, uh, but I, I just love watching Pepe. But I'd hate to have him in my team. He's a liability. <laughs> Who would you have, Mark? Ah, uh,
5: clearly Ramos, mate. I, I, I say Ramos purely because look at his body. He looks incredible at his age, mate. Um, and uh, and I, I think he was a better. I think he's a better player than Pepe. Pepe just looks like one of those annoying annoying little kids in the playground that you really just want to wait until, you know, you can, in a corner swing, you can give a quick jab to the jaw or something. It's an annoying pain in the backside.
4: I would have never
2: played for you if you were a coach, because my body's been a disgrace all my career. It still is. (laughs) You you would have never got a look in by the sounds of it. Speaking of, uh, you know, the playground antics, the kids uh, having a go at each other, what about Conseil Sau and Guardiola. I wonder, Schwartzie, from seeing him at close quarters, is Pep Guardiola just a frustrated figure at the moment? When they scored tonight, he, you know, let the emotion out, seemed really happy. But even before the game, he was bristling. You know, obviously afterwards, didn't shake the hand of Conseil Saur. There was clearly some words said there. What's your read on him at the moment?
5: Um, no, no, I think he's definitely feeling the pressure. Um, and I don't think it's not the pressure City per se. I think the external pressure. You know, when he went there, it was all about. Wonderful Pep Guardiola and what he's going to do, and, and and the first season was a bit rough for him, but then after that, I mean, the, the, the type of football that City played was out of this world. But then obviously it's dropped off, and the Champions League not making it further than the quarterfinals with uh, with, with Manchester City struggling since leaving Barcelona. Felix Maga of all people coming out and saying it was it was Messi's Champions League trophies and not Pep Guardiola. I, I just think. You know, Pep's now being questioned. We saw it in, in Lisbon, he was questioned after the game about his tactics. Um and whereas previously people never dare to ask, he was quite an intimidating figure. Now he just looks like someone that it's so easy to poke and to provoke. Um and, and I find him on the edge.
2: Yeah, that's definitely the way it's coming across uh, at the moment, even from a distance. So interesting to hear that's what you're seeing in close quarters. Looking ahead to the weekend, Schwartze Premier League back, of course. They go to West Ham. David Moyes, uh, very much the opposite on the touchline the other day. He was going mad. That three-all draw was incredible. What a fight back from a West Ham that are in good form, if you ignore the opening 40, sorry, 85 minutes uh, against Tottenham. Do you think that City have a, a big task away at West Ham, or is this an opportunity for them to, you know, stake their claim again and show their quality?
5: You know, listen, Man City playing well, uh, there's only one winner. But, you know, we know in Man City at the moment, particularly in the last, I would say, last six months, are unpredictable. You know, we saw in the Champions League last season, you know, when you think, like, right, Leon, yeah, they've done tremendously well to get to where they did in the Champions League, City should rush to the side. and they were outdone. And it just seemed like they're a little bit predictable at times. Um, there's no real plan B. Um, and that was very evident in the Champions League entry on. And when it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and, 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 and there's no real way out of it. Um, I, I think I think West Ham, the, you know, the, what they'll take from the Spurs game is that fight, that determination, the the never say die attitude. Yeah, they got a little bit lucky, but you know you need that when you're three nil down. Um, and, and I think you know the last couple of weeks for West Ham, David Moyes must be breathing a huge sigh of relief the way that his team's finally starting to on the pitch because he was under enormous amount of
2: pressure. The Geggen Pod will be back in 20 seconds. Once you're done with this episode, though, take a moment to look up Two Sharp Reds. Socceroos great Mark Schwartzer is joined by Ollie Geel to talk about the lighter side of world football with a real focus on the day-to-day of the Premier League. Two Sharp Reds from Optus Sport. Available where you get your podcasts. Now, back to The Gegen Pod. Let's have a look at some of the other matches coming up this weekend. It kicks off uh, in the early hours of Saturday morning. Aston Villa, how good are they going at the moment? Four from four. They look so good defensively as well as scoring goals, obviously, including seven in one. They're at home to Leeds, Bridgie. Leeds don't have Calvin Phillips, and I think that's an issue. What's your read? What do you think happens in this one?
4: It's a huge loss. Um, Calvin Phillips is the the man that breaks up the attacks of the opposition. He's the man that starts. He's, He's that deep. Number six, as we call it here, the midfield. And you know that Leeds love to play through him when they've got the ball as well. He's full of energy. England, Two England caps midweek. They're going to miss him big style. This is going to be a very, very tough game. Villa, three clean sheets out of their games. 100% record. If anybody can do it, Bielsa can do it. He'll find a way to to give them a run for the money. I'm really looking forward to this. What a, what a game to start the weekend off. And I'm going to say... A win win, obviously, for the Mighty Whites. Yeah,
2: Pascal Stroik is the man that will come into that position. Marcelo Bielsa said that today, even though they're short on centre-halves. Yeah, so a bit of a knock-on effect. The uh, 21-year-old Dutchman with the wand of a left foot. Keep an eye out for Pascal. Uh, Elsewhere this weekend, we spoke about Man City and Chelsea yesterday, Dave. So let's talk about Liverpool and Sheffield United. We obviously know what the centre-half pairing is going to be for Liverpool, so that won't really be a mystery, but they need to... obviously. Keep the momentum going defensively. Another clean sheet would be nice at home, back to winning ways in the Premier League where they haven't been winning. The fixture
1: list is probably okay for Jurgen Klopp given the problems he's got uh, on his plate at the moment. But um, the the interesting thing here will be, can they continue to break down uh, a defence like Sheffield United? And as bad as they've been offensively this year, you know when things aren't going well for them, what they're going to revert back to. So it's another good niggly test for Jurgen Klopp as he continues to evolve things on I'm just so interested to see as John mentioned earlier this is the biggest challenge of his time at Liverpool I'm just so interested to see how he tackles this test and uh, yeah and we'll we'll see we'll see how it happens and we'll see which team he puts out on paper of all the other games to look at the latter leaders, Everton, are away at
2: Southampton. We've got Wolves at home to Newcastle. Arsenal, Leicester, the two Europa League sides. That's a great game. I don't want to ask Mark Schwarzer about those. I want to ask Mark Schwarzer about Fulham at home to Crystal Palace because we know you and Roy Hodgson are tight, and we seemingly think that your love affair with Fulham appears to be uh, on the way out, Schwartzy. Um, what, what's going to happen here? Will Fulham finally get a result here this weekend? Because they look pretty good against Sheffield United. Surely they have to get something at some point
5: got a result last weekend. Well, do you want? I mean, that's one result. That's probably more than I thought they'd get. Um, listen, I, my love affair with Fulham hasn't changed. Of course, they've got a special place in my heart. But I'm going to call it how it is, you know. Fulham are better. They look better with Lookman. They look better. You know, they look like a better team. Um, they've got some, they did some really good business in the transfer window towards the end there. Um, uh, you know what? I just, I just don't see them getting a result again but uh, against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace going forward will be way too strong because Fuller of us just won't the back. Um, they've, they've just been terrible. I mean, we saw it last weekend. They should have been 2 up. I mean, Richavich of all players, You expect him to score a penalty. Unfortunately, didn't do it. And then gives away a penalty at the other end. I mean, I have to say, Ariola has to take responsibility for it because he, he came out for the cross. and and made the mistake. Um, And and that's just going to be, I think, a problem for Fulham all season. You know, they they just haven't got enough quality all all over the pitch. And I think uh, Palace being trying to get to the Premier League and with a master at the helm in Roy (laughs) Hudson, you know, perfect fit with Palace, they're going to win the game.
4: Well, you've called him a master. He looks more like Yoda of Star Wars every time you see him. He's getting old. He's getting wrinkly. Oh, Score prediction, it, please. He
5: is. Yeah. He is getting a bit older. He is, you're right. But he's still a master. Right? And, you know, The old Fox, mate, he's still got it. He it. He's still it. got his passion for the game. Um, yeah, he's been brilliant. Uh, what's the score going to be? I, I'm, I'm going to say it can be a, a 3-1 to Crystal Palace.
2: Okay. Well, you know what? I've got more faith in Fulham than you. I think they looked much better with Loftus-Cheek and Lookman. Lookman looked sharp, like he had something to prove. I don't know. I feel like yeah. they might get something look,
5: from him. Robert, a good player. He's a luxury player, though, isn't he? He's a good player. He's a luxury player. He's a little bit like Andre Scherler was a couple of seasons ago when they got promoted. Can do the special thing. Can win you a game. The one that is impressive is Loftus-Cheek. But the issue we would lost this week is how many games is he going to be able to play? You know, Chelsea broke down a lot of times um, and this is a big test for him now. Uh, and the challenge is as well, he's coming from a club that are always used to play at the top end of the table, winning most weeks. Now he's going to get a taste of what it's like being in the grind, being in the mix-up, Bridgie will tell you all about it. We've Either all been
4: two there. Of two of us have been there. I almost beat you to it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I tell you, Mark Schwartzer sounds like he's sounds like he's out in the grind now. You can just, I can feel how cold that weather is through.
4: He's the only man the phone. that doesn't need GPS or Google Maps to get himself all the way back to London. He just follows his nose. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, and
5: you would know, Bridgie. And- you would
2: know, wouldn't you? Schwar- uh, Schwarzy Bridges actually standing back about two meters from the microphone. If that tells you anything, we better let you go, mate. Uh, thanks very much for, for being involved in the coverage of the past two days. Been great to get your insight on the touchline. We look forward to seeing you on the weekend. Enjoy West Ham City, mate. Speak soon.
5: See
2: you, guys. What a what a legend! I absolutely love the fact that he's off Fulham. Because I thought Fulham were all right last week. It's going to be hard to see them get too many results throughout the season if they keep going like you they think are, think he's though. had his name taken down off the wall of fame or something? I
4: don't, I don't know. He's I, got it in for them, eh?
2: I... I next time I'll have to ask him whether Fulham fans have actually reacted to him because I feel like they would have had to have Fulham, Sheffield, United, uh, also West Brom and Burnley, the four teams still looking for their first victory this season uh, West Brom travelled to Brighton who themselves haven't been getting the points they maybe deserve, Burnley at home to Spurs, that feels like it might be a bit of a grind as well, a big weekend coming as John mentioned, there's El Clasico and then next week as well, European football is back three midweeks in a row the Champions League and the Europa League always plenty happening, uh, gentlemen, we're out of time on the Gagan pod match day edition Dave you have yourself a lovely weekend
1: oh thank you you too
4: enjoy uh, your football Michael I'm gonna have a great weekend one mile beach with the family the kids birthdays the twins so we're gonna go up there and celebrate and I'm gonna get this pommy tan out on the beach
2: <laughs> oh happy birthday to the youngins give them our best from up to sport and for you guys out there as well enjoy your football whether you're playing spectating whatever it may be until the next Gagan pod enjoy it we'll see you soon